0: we live in a world that everybody wants to blame somebody else. It's like, nope, if I mess up, I got to accept responsibility. So I blew that. Sorry about that. Thank you. Your words mean a lot. Um, it's a, it's a, real bre- a real blessing. It's a, it's a privilege. Um, I am fired up about this next generation. Um, I'm going to s- just kind of give you a little disclaimer. I get a compliment and a complaint. Most common compliment and most common complaint is the same exact thing. And I can tell if it's going to be a compliment or a complaint most of the time by the person that's walking up to me. Number one, you speak quickly, you keep me awake. Number two, you speak quickly, I can't keep up. So typically, younger generation are like, yeah, you kept my attention. Mature generation is like, huh? So I apologize. I am going to try to slow down, but I'm going to be honest with you it is hard to slow down because I am passionate. And I want to show a generation that the Word of God is true and trustworthy and we can deal with it. Issues. Now, I I, I was, uh, I I joked about it, but I'm really not joking. When I say that I don't sing, but I'm reading the lyrics and I'm writing the lyrics down. And so, while y'all were singing, I wrote down these lyrics. And it says this. Your praise will ever be on my lips. You broke through the heavens and you took all my sin to—and re- you took all my sin to rescue me. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You know, as, as I was listening—man, y'all sang beautifully this morning. You really did. And as I was listening to that and I was, I was thinking about those lyrics, he, here's an honest thought. This is an honest thought that was running through my head, and I just believe in being straightforward. Look, I'm, I'm too heavy to tap dance. If I try tap dancing, I'm breaking an ankle, okay? So I am just straightforward. Here's what was running through my head. If his love is ever going to be on my lips, why don't I talk about him when I walk outside of church? Um, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I do believe that I'm called to step on toes, mine first and foremost. Because what I say to you are things that I'm challenging myself to live with. So, I will ask you this, not asking you to raise your hand, not asking you to answer out loud, but internally, can you tell me the name of the last three people that you shared Jesus Christ with that don't know them? Can you tell me their names in the last week, in the last month, in the last year? Because I can name two of them in the last week, but the third one has slipped my mind. That's what I was sitting there thinking. I was like, Carl, you hypocrite. You're going to get up here and you're going to challenge people, but you don't have it. You you let that one slip I can see her face as plain as day but I cannot remember her name I'm horrible with names and I try to force myself to remember names just because I'm not good with it doesn't mean that I can't force myself to do better at something okay can you name the last three people that you shared Jesus Christ with that don't know him in the last week because if his love is ever going to be on my lips if I'm going to sing your praises forever is that a song that we sing sometimes don't you think I ought to talk about him today you see, there's 400,000 churches across the nation of America. 400 plus thousand churches of, uh, over the nation of America. We are the most Christian nation on the planet. We have more Christian shirts, more Christian shoes, more Christian wristbands. You name it, we got it as Christian. One of the greatest blessings was last night uh, talking to Pastor Eric, and he said, Carl, you don't need to wear a tie tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> I don't like ties. But I have a biblical reason. Here's my biblical reason. When you wear a tie, you are celebrating the curse. There were no ties prior to Adam sinning. You can't argue with me on that. I am straight, okay? And I can show you in the scripture where ties come from. Genesis four fifteen. Cain killed his brother. God put a mark on him. It's the tie. That is my theology, and I'm sticking with it. Now, guys, we even got Christian ties. But you be honest, and you tell me straightforward: Is America becoming more? Or less Christian every day, and we have all of our Christian TV, radio, shirt, shoes, wristband tracks, books you name it. Right? I mean, we got it all. So, what's going on? Well, that's kind of what I want to try to address today is because uh, I think we got some challenges. But I don't like being the total negative downer guy. I think we got some real hope too, and and so the name of the ministry is Reasons for Hope. That's the name of the ministry that I started, and and, and when I do uh, Reasons for Hope, I always have an asterisk up there because the asterisk leads to the answer. We can put our hope in a bunch of things, but there's only one that will never leave us or forsake us, and His name is Jesus, and that's ultimately what I'm about. Love apologetics, but if apologetics never leads to the preaching of Jesus Christ and the sharing the gospel with people, it's worthless. You will never argue anybody into the kingdom. You beat people up with your IQ, trust me, I can't do it. But some people try to. And I tell folks, look, if you came expecting deep theological stuff, you're not going to get it this morning. Because I grew up around guys with one name, crusher, bruiser, mauler, assassin. My father was a professional wrestler, and that's a straight honest truth, man. So if you think IQ is stress in the home of a professional wrestler, it is not. Trust me, okay? But there's one thing that my father taught me very clearly... And it's how to smell a fake and a fraud from a block away. And you see, I grew up in the church. I was raised in the church. I sat in the pew. You know sitting in that pew doesn't make you a Christian. I sat in pew 26 years old. I sang songs. I gave money. I did all that stuff. And I was deader in the doornail. And right now we have 400,000 churches across this nation, and you cannot tell me that they are filled with born-again, sold-out, Bible-believing Christians. It is impossible, because if that were the case, you would not see what you see in our culture. It would be impossible for that to take place in our culture. And so all I can do is this morning come in here and hopefully step on your toes, step on my toes. We need to become bold. You can only become bold, though, when you know what you're talking about, when you are sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ and for His Word. You know, I was blessed this year. I, I, I've traveled. I've traveled a lot. Last year was 203 days, and this year is like, I think it's 185 right now, 183, somewhere in there. And uh, this year alone, I've been able to go from Molokai, Hawaii. That was, uh, that was, that was suffering right there. That was amazing ministry, though. Just a short story, bunny trail. Young man, last year, I was here last year, he came every night. He's a senior in high school. This year, he came every night. One night, he came running in. He was drenched. He was sweating like crazy. I was like, what is wrong with this young man? And on the last night, he came up, and we had another talk. Great guy. And, and I won't tell you his whole story. It's a long one, but it's a great story. And he says to me, you know, my ride didn't show up last night, so I had to run to get to church last night so I could hear you speak. Now, I want you to think about that. A high school senior running to go to church, not running to get away, running to go to church. Guys, you got a generation out there that is flat hungry, but they're hungry for somebody to just look them in the eye and shoot them straight, and that's what I think we need to do. We got to get a generation that's going to become bold. But I went from Molokai to Saskatoon, Canada. Have you ever heard of Saskatoon, Canada? I had never heard of Saskatoon, Canada. But it was an amazing ministry when I got up there. It really was good. But the, uh, the, the crazy thing was when I got back, I was watching the news one night, and they had this police car chase in Saskatoon, Canada. Are you kidding me? Did you hear about the big police car chase in Saskatoon? You didn't hear about it? Okay. Well, i got to show it to you because I, 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 I had to record it, and I had to show it to you. Big police car chase, Saskatoon, Canada. about that? that big news is Saskatoon, man, I'm going to tell you. Uh, no, truth be told, that is not a Saskatoon police car chase. It's actually a Canadian Midas tire commercial. But when I saw it, I was really struck with the fact that, look, a police officer's job, I love the police officers, I'm not trying to disrespect them, but their job is straightforward, to protect and to serve, catch the bad guy, okay? That's, that's the job, pretty straightforward. That's an easy day at the office right there. Oh boy, it's stuck six foot in front of your tire spinning. Walk up, you're under arrest. Done. No. He gets out and he pushes his car. Christian, can I make a parallel? Our job is really simple and straightforward. It's to share the love of Christ with the lost. How do you do it? Oh, that's where God has given us the body of Christ, brother. And if it's in singing, if it's in writing, if it's in making coffee for somebody, if it's serving somebody, if it's just flat loving on them, you can do that. But are we doing it? Or are we making it more difficult than it really needs to be? You see, I, I want to start off in James 1.5. And James 1.5 says this, that if you lack wisdom, what are you supposed to do if you lack wisdom? Please, tell me. Ask, Ask who? God. I'm going to suggest to you that that's the key to understanding how you can have 400,000 churches and Christianity can be as invisible as it is in the culture. Because the Christians, the Bible believers, quote-unquote, the ones sitting in the church views are not asking God. And if you think we are, let's go to your local Christian bookstore and let's take a look at the top sellers. And I guarantee you this, we're not asking God, we're asking man. You want wisdom? Don't ask me. Ask God. And if you ask me and if what I say doesn't line up with what God said, you're not getting wisdom. You're getting man's wisdom. And there is a way that seems right to man, but the ends lead to, you don't want it, okay? But you see, we have a generation that doesn't, turn to God why because of the next verse nothing wavering doubt I'm going to tell you that doubt is the tool that Satan has used from the very beginning Genesis 3 it's a simple question that Satan has to get us to where we are today did God really say that Yea, hath God said that's not deep that's not theological that's a simple question Adam and Eve blew it on that question but how many of us blow it every day because we do the exact same thing that they did God said one thing Satan said another Adam and Eve had an option believe God believe this trust it in self how many of us do the exact same thing? You see, come with me. You want to see questions? Let's go out on the street. Let's talk to people. Boy, I get questions all the time. Well, if your God created everything, then who created your God? I mean, if he could do anything, could he create a rock so big he couldn't move it? How many angels could dance on the head of a pen? You ever get those kind of questions? Go to the college campus. You'll get them. All right? Anybody that hangs out with a certain atheist group, because that's what they love to do. You know how I answer those guys? Would you like to hear how I answer those guys? That's not going to work. This is a question-require-response session today. I know you all might, this might be a little bit different, but I'm like this insecure guy. I need to know that you're still awake. So when I ask questions, I need to hear that you're still there with me. Would you like to hear how I answer those questions? Thank you very much. Uh, What does purple taste like? What does red smell like? Well, that's a stupid question. So is yours. Hey! you want to play games go do it on somebody else's dime christian for too long we have been apologetic now i told you i love apologetics but i'm not apologetic about my faith we have almost been embarrassed and ashamed because we believe in the lord jesus christ and his word like we got something to be ashamed of you got nothing to be ashamed of you have a true hope his name is jesus his word is true but when you and i almost like are apologetic and ashamed of sharing the gospel with somebody guess what There's a vacuum, and when that vacuum is filled, it will not be filled with the truth of God's Word. It's going to be filled with man's wisdom, and that's why we see what we see in the world today. You see, that right there, that question, questions aren't the problem. Being able to give an answer to the question is the issue. And we have a church that's filled with 400,000 churches filled with people that are sitting in pews, that when they walk out the back door, you ask them a basic question about their faith, and I guarantee you, the vast majority could never tell you why they believe what they say they believe. Now, we believe, but why? And God said to study to show yourself approved. This isn't Carl telling you to do this, this is God. Study to show yourself approved and be prepared to give an answer for the reason for the hope that lies within you. And that word reason is a a rational, logical response as to why you believe what you say you believe. And if you can't do that, you're not doing what God called you to do. And it's a part of the reason why we see a generation that no longer trusts the Word of God. You go, you go ask them, why would a loving God allow death and suffering? What about carbon dating? What about continental drift? What about light from the further start? What about aliens? What about UFOs? Global flood. Where'd the water come from? Where'd the water go to? How'd they build a 450 foot long wooden boat, wouldn't fall apart, leak like a sieve. How'd you get two of every, seven of some, 10 billion species of animals on a wooden boat? Ever hear those? Can you answer them? Because that's what the world's coming at me with. You don't believe me? Come to one of the camps that I'm doing. Come to the camps. I'm telling you right now, I spoke 23, minimum 23, they added more sessions, but 23 times that I checked off in the last two weeks when I was over doing the camps and working with the youth. You have a generation that is begging for answers. 45-minute additional Q&A with a high schooler. Do you know what we spent 25 minutes on? Parents, you better deal with this one. We got young ones in here, so I got to be careful. Sexuality. There's a major struggle with this younger generation. If we don't talk about it, guess who is? And I guarantee you, you don't like the answers that they're giving them. And we're not haters because we speak the truth. We love people enough that we speak the truth to them because when we know that there are consequences to actions and we're not willing to speak the truth to somebody thinking that they're going to get mad, they're going to call me a name, they're going to call me a hater, look, that is not love. You and I got to be bold. We've got to speak the truth in love, with meekness and fear. You see, I go on to verse 8, and it says this. Right here, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And I want you to think about that. Why do we have 400,000 churches and we're almost invisible? I want to suggest to you because we have a majority of people... I did say that, majority. Majority of people sitting in church pews who are unstable in their faith. And they're unstable because they're trying to put one foot on the world's wisdom and one foot on the Word of God. And those two foundations are not the same. This one changes every time they find a new rock somewhere. Why am I going to talk about fossils? Why am I going to talk about human evolution? Why am I going to talk about those things? Because they are a tool that's being used to get a generation to doubt the authority of the Word of God. Creation evolution isn't the issue. The authority of the Word of God is the issue. So you and I have got to identify the tool that is being used to get a generation to doubt. Then you deal with it. Because then the body of Christ can put both feet firmly on the Word of God. When you truly, genuinely believe, apologetics is not for the lost. Apologetic is for us, the believer, to embolden us to go speak the gospel. If the apologetic doesn't lead to speaking of the gospel, it's worthless. My arguments will bring nobody to heaven. It's the name of Jesus that every knee is going to bow and tongue is going to confess. The apologetic just leads to the preaching of the gospel. At least it should. But you see, Psalm 11 3 tells us that if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Righteous wake up. There's a battle running and hiding. Is not what we are called to do. There is no such thing as undercover Christianity. You don't see it. You don't see secret agent christians called to be bold but carl come on now there's no evidence for god how ridiculous have you ever heard that claim have you ever heard that claim five people have heard that claim are you kidding me would you like a answer to that claim you better put your seatbelts on you think i've been speaking quickly oh no we're about to turn it up a notch I do a series of videos called Debunked because I like to take claims that the world throws at us. You can't trust that Bible. It's full of mistakes and errors. You can fit all those animals on a boat. There's no evidence for God. Really? How about this? Let me answer that question for you. Short video, but put your seatbelt on because I'm coming at you quick. Well, here it comes.
1: Lots of people say there's no evidence for God. Well, we're going to knock that one out in 3 you We're just going to have to keep it simple, throw in the old one-two combo, get in and out real quick, and let you fine folks chat all about it, okay? Punch one I'm going to call the Info Uppercut. When's the last time you walked into a library and asked, hey, where are all the books that have been written by mindless products of natural laws? The librarian will probably laugh at you and tell you that no such books exist. And they don't exist because they can't exist. Why not? Because, first of all, it's just common sense. The words that form the message in books always originate from a person with a brain. Or to say it a bit more scientifically, 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 the message of the book, the purpose, comes to be understood by the orderly placement of the words design and information. Ah, information. Now, anytime we find info, these basic laws always apply. Number one, matter doesn't spontaneously produce information. And number two, only a mental source, intelligence, can generate new creative information. In other words, just like those books that couldn't originate without a mind, neither could life. Why not, you ask? Because we know that DNA contains information. Therefore, the laws of information science apply, which means the information in DNA couldn't have spontaneously generated and that a mind is behind. The information. Period. No exceptions. Look at it this way the simplest life form we know of is an amoeba, and it contains as much information in its DNA as a thousand complete sets of Encyclopedia Britannica. So, are we to believe that there's no way a message in a library book could spontaneously generate, but far more complicated messages in DNA that contain a thousand times more information could have? Not likely. You see, when it comes to life or anything else that contains information, the laws of information science confirm the necessity of a creative mind. And guess what? In the very first book of the Bible, it just happens to mention that. In the beginning, God created. Bam. Uppercut lands on the chin. And now here comes the indefensible head blow. We'll call this the not a big bang bing swing. The KO to the claim that there's no evidence of God. The law of causality left hook of doom. It goes like this. Everything that had a beginning had a cause. The universe had a beginning, therefore the universe had a cause. Now, either something caused the universe to come into existence, or nothing caused it. Huh. I might not be the smartest guy behind the telescope, but honest, practical, everyday thing that's going to leave me to the latter, you have to work pretty hard to conjure up a way that nothing did it. You see, it's pretty improbable, nigh impossible, to account for design, information, and cause if the universe just exploded from nothing. Smack! And while we're on the topic, where did the matter come from that exploded? Are we really to believe that there was nothing and then it exploded, and now the exploded nothing is something, and we just happen to be smart enough to discover and understand the very laws that prove the opposite? And if the general understanding of the law of cause and effect is true, how can matter come from a lesser cause? like nothing. I mean, come on. I don't have a bunch of letters after my name, but even a monkey knows better. And yeah... I snuck in a couple of extra jabs in there, so sue me. Now for some parting words from our sponsor, the Bible. It tells us in Romans 1.20 that since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. It also says that people actually know the truth, but they reject it, which explains why even though there's overwhelming evidence that there is a God, evidence won't convince the unwilling. Sad but true. So there you have it. With just a couple of meaningful blows, the claim that there is no evidence for God is down for the count, amigos. In other words, it's been debunked adios
0: that's too fast we didn't get it intentionally so was it done well enough that you would watch it again was it done well enough that you'd not be ashamed to share it with somebody see that was the whole intent it was done so that it is more information than you can take in one sitting, but you're willing to watch it again. So, how many of you have a smartphone, iPad, smartphone, iPad? Anybody? Ooh, almost all of you. I'm shocked. Not. In today's culture, I mean, who doesn't, all right? It's a very small segment that doesn't. And I'm not trying to make fun of those that don't, but those of you that do and you have it with you, take it out. We're in church. Turn it off. No, turn it on. Go to your app store. Go to your app store and type in reasons, plural, reasons for, F-O-R, hope, reasons for hope. Download the app by Fast Apps. It'll work on um, um, uh, Mac and uh, Android. Yeah, Google Play. So download it. It's free of charge. All six of those debunked are on there. I'm giving them to you as a gift. I want you to have them so that you can watch it again and you can share it, okay? If you go to our store, uh, our our website is r f-o-r-h reasons for hope r4h.com if you go to the store download there's a pdf download free of charge not trying to nickel and dime you that corresponds with each one of those studies so you can now lead a small group study you can have a study with your friends use it put it to use i want you to have tools but carl if your god created everything you say there's a god but who created him have you ever heard that one would you like to see how i answer that question Oh, okay. So I'm not going to do a debunked on you on that one. I'm going to do it a different way. Are you guys ready for this? Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready for this? I don't think you're ready for this. Here we go.
2: Tostitos, how would you think of these scoops chips?
0: It was the 1990s. Dips had become extreme. Layers of intense
2: ingredients. It was too much. I was a broken chip, and I needed to change. But how? I wandered the world looking for answers. I looked at stuff. Then it hit me. I changed my shape. Now I'm ready for any dip.
3: Even this big old dip. Booyah! Bring it! it. Booyah! 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 Booyah!
0: I told you you weren't ready for that. Because I'm looking at some pretty shocked faces. What? Who created God and you're showing a Tostitos commercial? I actually do this. I do. I have it on my iPad. What? Oh, okay. So uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, do you believe that a bag of chips really can talk? Do you, do you believe that? Anybody? Anybody? Nobody? Whew, thank you. Those guys are really hard to have conversations with. I'm just telling you. And you're finding more and more of them on the college campuses, unfortunately. Uh, uh, okay, so you don't believe a bag of chips can talk. Then, then let me ask you this. Do you believe that a chip can change its shape all by itself? Doesn't like the way that it looks anymore, so it's going to change its shape. Anybody? Anybody? Nobody? Thank you. So you think it's ridiculous to believe that a bag of chips can talk or a chip can change its shape? That's ridiculous, Carl. Really? That's ridiculous? Then why isn't this ridiculous? Over the
2: course of 14 billion years, hydrogen gas transformed itself into mountains, butterflies, the music of Bach, and you and me.
0: so it's ridiculous to believe that a bag of chips can talk and a chip can change its shape. But if I throw some classical music into the mix, over the course of 14 billion years, hydrogen gas transformed itself into mountains and butterflies. The music of Bach and you and I. And that's science. i got one word for you. You think hydrogen gas can transform itself into everything that we see? i got one word. Inconceivable inconceivable by the way by the way I found this guy's baby picture he hasn't changed in years he looks exactly the same by the way I do this too because you see when I get in a conversation with the lost they're not the enemy and I'm using sarcasm for a very specific reason this morning I'm trying to keep you awake okay But when I'm talking to the lost, I am going to jab them. Oh, yes. Because my goal is to walk away from a conversation with people thinking. I don't convict. I don't convert. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to converse. Our job is to give an answer why we believe what we say we believe and then let the Holy Spirit take over and do what the Holy Spirit's going to do. But I am going to jab. And here's the way that I will jab this. So you think it's ridiculous... A chip can talk or change its shape but gas can transform itself do you understand do you understand that christians and non-christians both believe in a creator quote unquote that has existed for all eternity has no beginning has no end there is no other alternative something has to exist for all eternity there has to be something that was never created okay both sides have to have this our side is a christian i believe it's god Three letters, capital G. And he created the way that he said that he did. you want evidence for it? I look around the world, I see evidence for design. I see your pews here. It's amazing what an explosion in a lumber mill will do. I mean, just put those pews together right for you. You can look at that pew and know, as simple a design as that is, somebody had to make it. Well, look in a mirror. Look at the heavens. Look at the world around us. And that's what I try to do, is show them how to look at the world from a different perspective. So I do have a belief. I have faith. Yes, I do, but it is not a blind faith. It is a faith that is backed up with what, the, what we see in the world around us. But, we have your side. If there is no God, then there has to be something that, is, is, that has existed for all eternity. It begins with the letter G. It has three letters, but it's a lowercase g. It's gas. So either God created the way that he said that he did, or gas created. So you either got God, or you got gas. <laughs> if you got gas... Bino will help you, but I'm not going there. Yes, I do that as well, because I'm jabbing. Guys, you've got to make a decision. It's not my job to argue into the kingdom. I'm not going to fight and argue with people. I'm going to challenge them to think. Good questions. How did Jesus do ministry? He asked good questions. Good questions. Learn from the master. So uh, let me show you what I like to do. I I call these man-on-the-street interviews, because what I have found is that when you go out and you talk to people... You're going to find, I don't care if they're a, a, per, a person that believes that God created it in six days or a person that believes that gas transformed itself into everything that we see or anything in between. Both sides believe very strongly, but very few, very few can give an answer why they believe what they say they believe. So, let's do one. Let me take you out on the street introduce you to Cordero. This is from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Now, my goal in life is to never do another worldview survey. What? I'm getting old, okay? I can feel it. I'm starting to slide down. I got maybe, maybe, Lord willing, 10 more years that I can go. I mean that. I'm serious about that. So in my head more and more now, I was like, what am I doing to pour on, to disciple this next generation, to go out and to pick the ball up and run with it, all right? That's where my heart is. So uh, I, took, I take and teach young people how to go do this. So the young man that did this interview is Adam. I'm happy to be cameraman. I don't need to be on film anymore. I'm fine with it, okay? So Adam asked Cordero, Cordero, do you read the Bible? Yes, I do. Praise God. Going to be a good interview because we got us a Bible reader. And then he asked him this, okay, how do you believe everything came into being? I'll give you four options. God created it in six days. God created using millions of years. Intelligent design. There's something out there we don't know about it. Or naturalistic processes over millions of years. And Cordero said... Um,
3: well, I would definitely say that... Uh The Big Bang Theory definitely doesn't cover it to me. Um, As far as what I've learned throughout my lifetime, I just basically go along with the six days of creation thing.
0: Isn't that great? Cordell reads the Bible. Cordell believes God created six days. Isn't that great? I couldn't hear you. Isn't that great? That was horrible. Didn't you hear the hesitancy in the response? The way I was raised, I just kind of go along with, basically, let me be blunt with you. I told you, I'm too heavy to tap dance. If that's your faith, you're toast. Because this world knows how to destroy that faith. You go to the college classroom and say, well, the way I was raised, what makes the way that you were raised any better than the way that they were raised? What makes your book any better than their book? What what about that young lady in India that's never heard about God? God's going to make her go to hell? He created them to go to hell? What about... Well, that's the way I was raised. Guys, it will not work in this culture. I'm just telling you. I deal with it all the time. You see, I'm not mocking Cordero. Please hear my heart. This is just the typical Christian that I get, all right? Okay, Cordero, how about this one? How about this one? Um, Do you believe the Bible contains mistakes or errors? This is where it starts getting good. I'd say... There's confidence. There are
3: definitely some things that I read that seem kind of shaky to me, yeah.
0: We're done. Man, I'm telling you right now, if that's your faith, you're walking out of here, and you're going to walk into the Arkansas State University, you're going to be a light, you're going to be done. Shredded. I got, Man, I get emails all the time. My heart breaks. Young lady, Megan, she writes me. I spoke at a camp close to the camp that you spoke at up there in Ohio. She, this young lady, she goes off to Auburn University six months after she goes to Auburn. She writes me, Mr. Kirby, you told me I wasn't going to have answers and that they were going to uh, come after my faith, but I had no idea. My friends, my teachers, they all have answers why they believe what they say they believe. I was raised in the Baptist church. I went to church. I went to a Christian school. I can't give an answer. There's makes sense. All I can do is parrot what I heard somebody else say. By the way, church, regurgitation is not education. And for whatever reason, church, we have adopted the way the world educates, which is bring them in, give them information, memorize, come back tomorrow, regurgitate back to me what I gave to you. I grade you on how well you regurgitate. Well, regurgitation isn't pretty, it doesn't smell good, and it is not the way that we should educate. We have to teach application. Memorization without application is worthless. That's especially in this culture, that has changed. Mature folks, number one, complaint. You're telling me I did a bad job. No, I'm telling you that the culture has changed. And mature generation, my generation is begging for you to pour into us. My generation is begging because I'm just being as honest as I can be with you right now. Every time I get up and speak to the youth, I see a chasm that is growing between the mature generation and the younger generation, and it's growing. And one of these days, I don't know how you're ever going to span that bridge. I just don't see it. I'm afraid of it. This generation is not going to reach over to this generation. Not going to happen. They don't care. This generation, I don't like the way they look. I don't like the music that they play. They play it too loud. That. You better get over that. Because mature generation, if we're not willing to reach across this chasm and and get rid of some of our personal preferences, you think I'm telling you to water down the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you hearing that from me? I'm going to speak it straight as straight. But we've got to be real. This generation has got to set aside some of that and reach across because this generation is begging. They are... I'm telling you right now, 50% of the kids that I speak to when I go to camps are suffering from sexual abuse. 50% minimum. 60% are depression, dealing with some sort of depression. I'm telling you, man, my mind is blown with the cutting and the depression. What is going on? They're being taught a different history. They're being taught that their value is based on how well they look compared to a billboard, and you can never compare with a billboard because it's not real, it's Photoshop. But they think their value is how pretty, how smart, how talented they are. No, your value has nothing to do with that. Your value has everything to do with the fact that God created you, made you in His image, died for you while you're spitting on Him. If you remove that history, what do I have? I'm not as pretty, I'm not as smart, I'm not as talented. What have I got to look forward to? Every youth group that I've spoken to, every this year, I've had someone commit suicide before getting there. It's reality. Guys, there's a battle. We have hope. It's not this kind of a faith. I'm not mocking Cordero. Cordero, how do we get so many different races if we all go back to one man and one woman? You're going to tell me that's not an important topic in our world today? Let me be blunt with you. Christianity, Christians are the only ones that have an answer to solve that issue. But how many of us are willing to step outside the four walls of this church and go speak the truth that there's only one race, the human race, that we are all created in the image of God, that we are all fearfully, wonderfully made, and I don't care what you look like out on the outside. You see, it's not just white, black, black, white. My wife is Japanese. I know your pastor's wife is Japanese. We've grown up with the slant, nip, fish eye we've heard it all okay we've heard it my grandmother wrote me when i got engaged she and i will never be friends you come to my house i'll be the perfect hostess but she and i will never be friends she's seen her grandchildren twice in their lifetime why because your children will always have those eyes guys it is we have a generation that was raised with saying jesus with their lips but with their minds they'd already been infiltrated by the world How'd you get all those different colored people, Cordero? How'd you get the black people, white people, blue people, green people, yellow people? How'd you get all those different colored people? That, I honestly don't know. Then why should I trust you in anything else? We have hope because God's word is true and it deals with that issue. Cordero. Science has proven that the earth is millions of years old. Everybody knows that. But when you read the scripture, it's kind of hard to put millions of years in the Bible. So if the Bible's true, then how do you explain a fossil that's 100, 200, 300, 400 million years old? How do you do that, Cordero? How about this? Let me rephrase the question. The wages of sin is fill in the blank. What? You fundamentalist hicks. Where'd they dig you up from? You believe the wages of sin is death. Punch of fundamentalist. You're killing me. Look, I can prove to you that the wages of sin isn't death. It's simple. How long ago did Adam live? A few thousand years ago? Let's go down to your local museum. I'll show you a fossil. That's 100, 200, 300, 400 million years old. What's a fossil? A dead thing. We find fossils of humans that date back three to 400,000 years. Adam wasn't here 400,000 years ago. So you got dead things long before Adam ever came onto the scene. Are you starting to see a problem? Am I telling you that I believe in those long ages? Oh, no, I do not. But I'm telling you that those of us in the church that say Jesus with our lips, but then we sell out for what the world has to say, and we say, God, I know what you wrote, but let me tell you what you meant. God, I know you said you created in six days and rested one, but you didn't quite understand science, God, because science has proven the earth is millions of years old. So those days, well, they're not really days. They're actually long periods of time. Or you got a gap in between Genesis uh, 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. God, we know what you wrote, but let us tell you what you meant because you just didn't quite understand science. Who do we think we are? He's God. He was there. He ought to know how he did it, and he wrote with his finger how he did it in stone in the Ten Commandments, in the middle of the fourth one. Created in six days and rest once, so therefore shall you. Okay, God, you know. But we have a world. They don't accept that. How do you explain fossils that are hundreds of millions of years old? Hmm. On that, um,
3: it's really hard to say. Um, like I'm saying, like my personal opinion, just from the way I was raised, I go along with the biblical definitions of most things, but uh, I guess I really couldn't answer that question.
0: What do you think? that's an answer that's going to change the world we're going to go turn the world upside down by compromising on the word of god oh he wrote that but he didn't really mean that yes that's going to turn the world upside down in the wrong direction come on carl man you're beating us up lighten up we came to church i mean come on this supposed to be feel good build me give me some self-esteem send me out of here feeling good okay how about this one then um How'd they get two of every, seven of some, 10 billion species of animals on a wooden boat? How'd they fit all those animals on a boat, Cordero?
3: Once again, sorry if this doesn't help
0: much, but no clue. Those of you that downloaded the app, you're going to have a clue. Go to debunk, more, debunk, scroll down, how they fit all the animals on the boat. I'm giving it to you for free, five and a half minute video that I don't have time to go through everything on a Sunday morning, but i just hopefully challenge you to dig a little bit. There are answers. But here's the way that I like to answer questions, by asking a question. Yeah, let me ask you a question. How do they get the balls to roll uphill? Now, I'm a nice guy, so I'm going to help you here. There's no reverse photography. There's no magnets. There's no strings, and there's no air. Somebody suggested air, and that was a really good suggestion, but there's no air. Here's what I'm going to do with the kids. Anytime I get a chance to talk with the younger generation especially, when I ask you a question, you better question the question. Because, you see, I like to ask questions in a way that you can't give a correct response. What questions should they be asking when I say, well, how do they get the balls to roll uphill? What questions should they be asking me? How about, are the balls rolling uphill? Oh, now that's a really good question. And that depends on your perspective. So here, hey, the world has our children 900 hours a year, all right? Schools, public schools have our children 900 hours a year teaching them to think like the world, to act like the world. Then we wonder why they go to the world. Sorry. Um, 900 hours a year. Then that same child is reinforced with 1,064 hours of television. And then many of those children are reinforced with 936 hours of video games. So who's really doing the train up a child in the way they should go and when they get old. Who's doing that? You're telling me we're doing it? School's got them for 900 hours. TV's got them for 1,064. Video games got them 936. How many hours for music? You want to go there? You want to go there with the smartphone? Oh, yes. I've already told you to break it out. Do you know how many hours are spending on the smartphone? Yeah, five hours is a typical time. Five hours, okay? So you think all that stuff that they're getting reinforced with, they're not being taught to look at the world from a specific perspective? I'm saying you got to look at it from a different perspective. So I'm going to take the same evidence, and all I'm going to do is I'm going to twist it, and I'm going to look at it from a different perspective. Because, you see, there's either God or there's gas. And if there's gas, you're going to look at the evidence from a certain perspective. But if there is God, you look at the Christian and non-Christian. Do we have the same rocks? I can't hear you. Christian and non-Christian, do we have the same stars? Christian and non-Christian, do we have the same people? Why do we explain it so differently? It has nothing to do with the rock stars and people. Nothing. It has everything to do with the world view. What you believe about, where you come from, God or gas. And if you believe God, you're going to see things completely and totally differently than if you believe gas. You see, evidence isn't the problem. The problem is we have a generation that has been raised by the world to think like the world, and then we in the church have come in and we've tried to sprinkle Christian dust on top of the wrong foundation. You cannot get Christian morality on the wrong foundation. Let me illustrate that for you, please. Does the world talk about astronomy? Absolutely they do. There's a history that is being taught. Slow gradual processes, big bang, hydrogen gas came together. That is totally different from a history of astronomy that God told us. In six days, I created everything. On day four, I brought the sun. Why would you have the sun on day four, but you got light on day one? Great question. You know why I think it is? Pure speculation on my part. Ancient cultures, what's one of the number one things that they have worshipped from almost the beginning of time? Sun. Worship the sun. I'm sitting here like, okay, God, he didn't give it to us until day four. So I can almost hear him saying, why are you worshipping the sun? I didn't give it to you the day four. Didn't even need it for the first three days, okay? Why are you worshiping the worshiping the creation? Why don't you worship the one that created it? God said he created the sun, moon, and stars. Day four. Does what I see in the world, or is what I see in the world, consistent with what I read in the Word of God? Oh yes, it is. How about this? Simple illustration. How many observable stars are there in the sky? I'm not talking total number of stars because that's a big number. I'm talking the ones we can see using the greatest technology, the greatest telescopes on the planet. It's a big number. It's a seven followed by 22 zeros. So guys, I'm, I'm, I'm like one of these guys. Who invented counting that high? I'm, I'm honest. I was like, I'm like, look, Carl, you need to invent counting. We're back in the day. Okay, Carl, you need to invent counting. Oh, okay. Five, ten. 15, 20, done. We don't need any numbers bigger than 20. That's it. We're done. Now, for the people with six fingers, sorry, man. That would have really messed everything up. But a seven followed by 22 zeros, do you know how big that number is? That number is greater than every grain of sand on every beach and desert on our planet. There are more stars than grains of sand, and you're not impressed. One praise God. This is a tough audience, man. You guys should not be impressed. you know why? Because it's actually 10 times more stars than grains of sand. And by the way, the total number of stars, including the ones that we cannot see, let me let a non-Christian tell you that number. Non-Christian quote here. Some people think it is what? What? Do you know what I did when I read that? I almost went charismatic. I'm telling you, man. I did, I almost almost raised a hand, and that's, dude, that's charismatic for me, I'm I'm serious, I am so conservative white cornbread that if I'm raising a hand, I'm swatting a fly, I am just that stiff, okay? But I said, amen, because it takes an infinite God to create an infinite number of stars, to speak them into existence from nothing, and he knows them all by name. That's the God that we serve. And we want to sell him out for gas arranging itself over 14 billion years. Guys, the heavens declare the glory of God. Oh, by the way, the same God that knows the name of every one of those stars says he knows the number of hairs on your head. And I don't care if you're bald or not. You still have the same number of hairs on your head as you did when you were born. They're just a different type of hair. It's a mellow's hair. But you still have a hair. And God knows how many of them there are. How about this? Biology. Does the Bible deal with biology? World does. World tells us that over the over course 14 billion years. Worm turns into fish, turns into amphibian, turns out into a rat, turns into a monkey, turns into the black man in Africa, of which some of them ate fish, got smart, moved north, turned white. You laugh. That's exactly what evolution teaches. You don't believe me? I'll show you the video from the programs. That's what evolution teaches. Evolution is a racist philosophy. Now, I'm not saying that some Christians aren't racist, but we're racist when we're sitting in the pew, not because of what God said, but because of what man said. Because God said, we'll deal with that. You see, God said that we all go back to one man and one woman. That's what God said. By the way, what does science have to say about it? You know, they've been studying the Y chromosome, which is passed from the father to the child. They've studied every culture on this planet. I don't care what you look like on the outside. They now know beyond a shadow of a doubt, every person on this planet goes back to one man. I could have saved a lot of time and money on that research. They've been studying the mitochondrial DNA. Mitochondrial DNA is passed from the mother to the child. They now know beyond a shadow of a doubt, and I don't care what you look like. Every person on this planet goes back to one woman. Guess what? God said. That needs to become the rallying cry of every Christian. Not what do you think, what do you think, what do you think, what did they say? God said. God said, 1 Corinthians fifteen 45, first man, Adam. What are the implications? It means we all go back to one man. Genesis three twenty. Eve is called Eve because she is mother of all living What's that mean? We all go back to one woman. Do you know what that means? Acts 17, 26. We are all of one blood. That means there's one race, the human race. You want an answer to the issue that we have today? We have it. We are all created in the image of God. There is only one race, the human race. You want to start segregating and separating because of looks? That is brought on by racist ideas of evolution. You have an inferior race, and by the way, that is in the original title of Charles Darwin's book origin of species or the preservation of superior races so some are weaker than others how do you get all those different colored people download the app there's videos on there how you get all the different colored people for one man and one woman can't do it all okay i can only do so much but here let me give you this piece i found this interesting they've studied this one man and one woman and they were shocked by this results came out a while back uh, we all go back to one man and one woman, and they, they lived at the same time. I'm like, duh. <laughs> I mean, it is not going to work any other way. I'm just saying, all right? We'll move on. Uh, what about geology? You think the Bible doesn't talk about geology? Come with me this July. I know it's last minute, but I'm going to take people out. We're going to go dig dinosaur bones. I'll do it next year as well. Get on my mailing list. I'll take you out. I'll let you see the rocks for yourself. Rocks cry out. Scream. The evidence there screams that God did it the way that he said that he did it. But we have a generation that has been taught to look at it from a different history. We have to teach them how to look at it from a biblical history. Here's my point. And I've got to wrap up. You see, guys, I see in the church, we're trying to impose a morality on a generation. We want them to look a specific way, to act a specific way, to speak a specific way. This is what I was raised with. I sat in church pews until 26 years old, deader than a doornail, donating money, singing songs, and I was going to hell. But I knew the lingo, I knew the way to act, I was a chameleon. And many of my generation, that's what we were taught to do. And then we were teaching this generation what to do. Chameleon worked in my culture growing up because that culture wasn't openly aggressive antagonistic against Christianity. Today it is. Chameleons are disappearing. That's why I believe that we're seeing this greater increase in dark and light. There's not as much gray. The gray is shrinking. But which way is the gray shrinking to? unfortunately, I see the majority going to the dark right now because they think they're walking away from Christianity. Oh, I was a Christian, I was raised a Christian. You were never a Christian. You have no clue. And this is what I tell the kids when I deal with them. At the end of this week, you're going to know what you're walking away from. Because if you're going to walk, you're going to walk knowing what you're walking away from. I didn't know what I was walking away from when I did it. We're trying to impose a morality on a Christian, a Christian morality on a foundation that won't accept it. You know, we want, look, we we don't smoke, we don't drink, we don't chew, we don't date girls that do, we don't like that long hair stuff, we don't like that pierce and that tat, we don't do that. We're Christians, we have a morality, but that morality is based in the history. If you lose the history, you cannot keep the morality. Abortion is wrong because God created life. If you lose that history, abortion becomes whatever you want it to be. Marriage is one man, one woman for life, I'm not a hater, I love you enough to tell you the truth. There are consequences to wrong actions. That's love. Marriage is one man, one woman for life because the creator of the institution said so and you are free to distort it, but there are consequences to distorting. If you lose that history, you're going to deal with what we're dealing with today. And if you can't keep the morality, you might as well forget about the future. This is where the battle is at, in my humble opinion. We have a generation that has been raised by the world to think like the world. They've been given the facts, and then we in the church have been relegated to teaching our little fairy tales and our fables and our little Bible stories. Where are you going to go? I know where I went until I was 26. They got facts, they got fable. I know where I'm headed. You see, you're like, man, this guy's a jerk. He's mean. No, I'm brokenhearted because I deal with so many young people, and when you see the hurt and the pain that's going on, I see these kids. Why would a loving God allow death and suffering? What about carbon dating? What about what about what about what about what about? And they're getting tossed to and fro. They're getting beat up. And what I want to do is to 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 get parents to take that responsibility of training their children. But if I, you know what I got to do, sometimes I got to reach the kids to reach the parents. My other speaker, Juan. Uh, He has a ministry in Miami, a Hispanic uh, church, but I brought him on with me because it was like I wanted, we had to reach that culture as well. He was just in a camp in eastern Kentucky last week. By the time he left and got up five days with those guys, he had 12 emails from parents. What did you teach in camp? My kids are on fire. And so sometimes that's what we got to do. We got to get the kids because then the parents say, hold up, what's going on? This isn't my child. They're never talking about chapel. I got passionate about that because my son came to me six years ago and said, you're going to be a grandfather. And this is my first grandson and my granddaughter on my son's side. And remember, my wife's Japanese, so son, daughter, half Japanese. They're our grandchildren, quarter. This is the other grandchild, blonde, curly hair, blue eyes. What about skin color? Dude, it's a genetic trait. We can deal with it. It's not an issue, okay? We can deal with it. But you see, my concern was I saw what was going on in this culture and I was afraid, did I pour into my own son, my own daughter enough because they've now got to pour into their children? And so I said, you know what? I walked away from an extremely successful ministry to start what I'm doing now because I said, I've got to go after a younger generation of men. I don't care about big. I don't care about numbers. And this year alone, I've spoken to groups as small as five. I don't care who sits in front of me. We're going. I'd ask you to pray for me. I need your prayers. You can tell that by now. Look, I can show you video after video after video. I really can. I've done a lot of on the street talking and all that. But here's the bottom line. Who's reaching them? We're called to do it. Are you willing to walk out of here and open your mouth and start sharing the love of Christ with somebody? Or... Are you silent because of a fear that, oh, they might ask me something that I don't know. They might call me a mean, nasty name. You better get over that. They put our Savior on a cross. He died for us. If He's willing to die for me, I should be willing to speak for Him. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. He gives us the privilege to represent Him. Do it well. See, this is what I want to do. I'm done. Short video. But this is what I want to see. I'm not here just to beat you up with creation. That's, that's not my heart. My goal is to see the gospel of Jesus Christ preached because it's at the preaching of his name that good things will happen. This is what I want to see happen. I
2: will live my life according to these beliefs. God does not exist. It's just foolish to think that there is an all-knowing God with a cosmic plan. That an all-powerful God brings purpose to the pain and suffering in the world is a comforting thought. However, it is only wishful thinking. People can do as they please without eternal consequences. The idea that I am deserving of hell because of sin is a lie meant to make me a slave to those in power. The more you have, the happier you will be. Our existence has no grand meaning or purpose. In a world with no God, there is freedom to be who I want to be. But with God, life is an endless cycle of guilt and shame. Without God, everything is fine. It is ridiculous to think I am lost and in need of saving. And that's how I felt before Christ opened my eyes, changed my heart, and reversed my thinking. I am lost and in need of saving. It is ridiculous to think everything is fine without God. Life is an endless cycle of guilt and shame. But with God, there is freedom to be who I want to be. In a world with no God, our existence has no grand meaning or purpose. The more you have, the happier you will be. is a lie meant to make me a slave to those in power. Because of sin, I am deserving of hell. The idea that people can do as they please without eternal consequences is only wishful thinking. It is a comforting thought, however. That an all powerful God brings purpose to the pain and suffering in the world, that there is an all knowing God with a cosmic plan. It's foolish to think God does not exist. I will live my life according to these beliefs.
3: Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes? I'm sure by now you can understand how I felt as I sat in that little preacher's meeting and listened.